Thank you for listening to the Divine Nobodies Podcast with Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe so you never miss a show. If you're on Instagram, please follow us at Divine Nobodies Podcast and join our ever-growing community of lightworkers and spiritual visionaries. Together, we can raise the frequency of our planet and bring in a new era of awakening and inner standing. Welcome to our tribe. And now your hosts, Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. I don't know what it is, Jen. I just am super tired today. Yeah? Yeah, today's episode is the five things to do in order to keep Eric awake, not fall asleep on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a long day. I was thinking about a lot of different things. Welcome, everybody, to Divine Nobody's <laughs> podcast. I've got a lot of things to cover. I was thinking um, a few things about a lot of just the weird idiosyncratic things and just weird things that happen in life. Do you remember when you were a kid and we used to play that game Slugbug? Yes. What is that about? I don't know. You know, that was a stupid game. Yeah, and the thing is, is it, it, I used to play it too. Yeah, because when you're a kid, you just yeah. it's just one of those things, you know. Yeah, those are familiar with the game Slugbug. It's like when you're with your friend in his beat up car, like the very first car that he's ever gotten, and you're just traveling around on the way to like Seven Eleven or anywhere that you're allowed to go when you're under eighteen, and uh, you just happen to see a bug on the freeway, mm-hmm. and you just turn to your friend and you just slug him in the the arm. Yeah, and you just go Slugbug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was no winners in the game. Yeah, there's no winners. You know, because yeah. no one's keeping track. Yeah, I feel like we did that when we were really young, like way before we had our own cars and that kind of thing. Yeah. It was like on family trips and it was an excuse to hit your sibling without getting in trouble. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, that's what that was all about. Because dad was in it on it, too. Yeah, everybody was in on it. I think it. for the most part, the, the father's the one that more than likely introduced the game into. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The, the field mm-hmm. of little things that you do. Yeah. You know, because it's like the, the dad's way of sort of toughening up the the boy. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so I'm just going to play slug bug. Yeah. He doesn't do it very hard, <laughs> but it sort of evolves into this. But hard enough where you're like, thing. ooh, like that hurt. And yeah. it kind of hurt my feelings because I was unexpected. I wasn't expecting it, but. And you're like, it hurts. And your dad's like not validating your feelings. And yeah. Like, my feelings matter, dad. <laughs> like I'm, I go through pain too. Aside of all the other things that I've been thinking about as far as the weird things, I was just thinking about random stuff. And uh, to actually revisit something that we talked about on the last podcast with Audra, which is awesome, by the way. Yeah. A lot of good she shit on awesome. there. I, uh, re- we revisited, oh, I revisited Urban Dictionary, mm-hmm. which I, I hadn't gone to in years. I think the last time I checked was in like 2011. Yeah, I haven't either. Yeah. And it, yeah. The Urban Dictionary has always been sort of like a novelty, but it's super random because uh, it's not like Wikipedia where you have to have like... Uh, like reputable sources yeah to back up your claims right um, urban dictionary is just anybody with a computer can go on there <laughs> and just add in definitions for random shit yeah so um we went on uh, urban dictionary last episode uh, because we were talking about audrey bear's last name which your last name happens to be bear yeah and i looked up eric and i gave sort of like a an abbreviated version of what the definition of my name is uh for eric and um i wasn't able to complete it so I didn't feel that sense of completion and wholeness. So I went mm-hmm. on the Urban Dictionary uh, earlier this week, tried to look for my name again, and I found it. It was actually posted by this guy. The whole craziness of this definition lies in the name of this guy's user profile name, which is Alien God. Alien. Yeah. How perfect. Yeah. So there's a guy How named Alien God. How perfect to give you yeah, a definition for your name than Alien God. Yeah. Alien God gave a that definition for my name, which is, and I'll just go ahead and read it here. It just okay. says, uh, Eric and Eric and Eric mm-hmm. is a term used to describe a mentally 
retarded cat <laughs> that has the ability to fly <laughs> by moving its tail in a circular motion. Oh, like a helicopter, Exactly, huh? like a helicopter. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Once in the air, Eric's are known to land on top of statues to catch and eat birds. Once they get the taste of blood, they turn into a form of vampire and attack overweight people. <laughs> oh my God. Isn't that, okay. isn't that the craziest That's shit? hilarious. It's hilarious. I mean, I would never do that. You know, and then oh, the, the crazy thing with Urban Dictionary is he always put in like an example of how you would use it in a sentence. Uh-huh. And this says, oh my God, dude, last night I saw an Eric fly by. <laughs> that is hilarious. Did you look up your name in Urban Dictionary? Yeah, I did. When you told me to look it up, it, it actually said really nice things. Like the first couple definitions were super nice, but yeah. um, the third one that I came to is the one that I could probably most relate to. And it says, as the world is overpopulated with Jennifers, we need to be able to distinguish the cool from the evil. Mm -hmm. The only acceptable abbreviation for the cool Jennifers is Jen with two N's. That's how I spell my name. Yeah. Jenny, Jen with one N, Niffer, which I don't, Niffer. Niffer? Have you ever fucking heard a Jennifer called Niffer? It sounds like a a name that you'd give like an an ogre in Lord of the Rings. Right? Oh, that's terrible. It's horrible. Lord Niffer. (laughs) (laughs) And any other variations of Jennifer are hereby deemed stupid and will no longer be tolerated. <laughs> Anyone still answering to any other version will be recognized as evil and or a loser. Oh my gosh. I just imagine, I just imagine the person that actually wrote that is actually in a castle with like one of those old school like ink and pens. So and you, after they get done writing it into law, they just sort of stamp it with a wax stamp. So I think I'm going to read who wrote this, right? Yeah. Her name is Jen with two N's, F-U. Oh, what? And on January 23rd, she posted this, and my birthday is January 24th. So, oh, really? a day before my birthday. Oh, yeah. my gosh. So, that? so that isn't, I imagine that's not actually her name. One thing that I noticed about Urban Dictionary is it's sort of like this large forum of people that maybe lack some sense of control in their life and maybe they had been burned by the net by an ex mm-hmm. or a friend oh for sure and because they have the ability to go on urban dictionary and exercise some sort of like armchair warrior like ness on them yeah they go in and they just write a bunch of crazy shit about the person that they're you know i mean think about how many names that's ruined though like felicia and karen and yeah. kyle yeah I mean, <laughs> Exactly. Those are names that you just don't want to have now. Yeah. So, but the person that wrote that probably had some sort of beef with a Jennifer. Oh, for sure. Her username is Jennifer. F you. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Once you give people a little bit of power, you never know what will happen. That's right. But on the upside of that, if you actually go under Urban Dictionary and you look up your name, chances are you'll find a lot of really nice things too. Yeah. Because aside of the one that I... Um, read, which I've known for a long time, just because of how random it is. I thought it was hilarious. There are a lot, a lot of people mm-hmm. on there that say a lot of really amazing things about Eric's, about Jennifer's, mm-hmm. about anybody that has a name. Yeah. But you get those every once in a while, those people that are just pissed at some guy named Eric and upset at some girl named Jennifer. Yeah. And he's becomes a helicopter cat. Um, yeah. Gets the taste of blood. Yeah. It gets a taste of blood on top of the statue. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, crazy stuff. And I also, one random thing that I learned the other day is like the name for somebody who eats loudly. There's okay. a name for it, some sort of cl- clinical terminology, which is masticating. Oh, yeah. Masticating means to chew. To chew, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's such a weird it's, word. It's your uh, well, your jaws, like your masseter mm-hmm. muscle. So yeah. 
mastication from your masseter muscle. That's where it comes from. Well, if you want to get all clinic, all no. technical and smart about it, <laughs> I'm just talking about like, you know, if somebody would ever use that in a sentence, like if, you, if somebody walked in, your parents walked in on you masticating. masticating. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. You're going to have that talk with your parents. Be like, what happened? It's like, oh, I got to go home early, man. I got to have a talk with my parents. They caught me masticating the other day. <laughs> Those are these weird words that we don't even use. Yeah. But it's funny, though. It's funny. And then to introduce what we're actually going to talk about um, on a more serious note, I was thinking about reincarnation this week, Jen. Yeah. And uh, what better way to start off the topic of reincarnation is by seeing what Urban Dictionary has to say about reincarnation. Oh, how about how about that? Yeah, yeah. I got two examples. It says, uh, reincarnation, first example is having a second one-night stand with the same person. It could also be the second time you have sex with the same person. And the example <laughs> that they have in here is our friend hooked up again with this chick he met at some party ages ago. Legit case of reincarnation. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like doing the same thing twice. Yeah, I like you know, it. I like again. it. So I guess I could that, work that, that into would, a sentence. I yeah, like that. That would work. Mm-hmm. Like straight up reincarnation. Yeah. It's like if somebody's in in this sort of ongoing cycle of toxicity with a girl or a relationship. Yeah. And you happen to find out that they end up together again. You're like reincarnation. You know that uh, we have a friend that habitually will like date his exes. So uh-huh. he'll just cycle through like a, you know, I don't know, a line of exes, say five or six girls. Yeah. Um, so we secretly call him waste management. Waste management? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just coming in and the trash picking man. up the trash, yep. taking it back, consolidating it, sorting through it <laughs> and then returning the trash can. Yeah. Empty. Re- recycling. Yeah. Recycling. Yep. And it's he's a, a recycler. It's like he, he's also contributing to the chaos. And yep. I guess a good example of that is the fact that he brings back the trash can empty. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you end up with nothing. With nothing. You know, or yeah. maybe maybe you could look at it as like a starting fresh. You can put more garbage in there. Maybe. Yeah. Second uh, example is reincarnation. Basically, the religious embodiment of the meme. Oh shit! Well, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> and then the example that they have listed here is now I rest. Wait, why the hell am I a bird now? Fuck reincarnation. <laughs> yeah. Fun stuff. That's awesome. Reincarnation is a is a complex a complex thing to talk about. They talk a lot about this in the Buddhist tradition. I mean, uh, even talk about it in Christianity. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I, I found really compelling is that uh, a lot of people go looking for reincarnation in books, literature, and uh, I guess one sort of solution that people have is there's really no way to know unless you are actually the one that bites the dust right. and dies. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that it ends there, mainly because nature sort of has uh, so many different examples of how it's there's a possibility that reincarnation is real. I feel like for a fact that it is, just based off of everything that we have in nature uh, that shows us, mm-hmm. right? And uh, what I guess the best way, I guess, to start is just looking at the way that the body works. Right. Our bodies are always moving. They're always changing. The mm-hmm. cells in our bodies are always moving, always changing. I actually have some information here that I got uh, online, which says uh, cells lifespan. For example, the cell, the cells that line your stomach can renew as fast as every two days. Uh, since they're often in contact with the digestive acid, cells can make up your skin. Cells that make up your skin are replaced every two or three weeks. 
as the main protection against environment. Your skin needs to be in tip-top shape. Uh, red blood cells last for about four months. White blood cells, the main players in fighting infection, can last from a few days to a little over a week. Uh, your fat cells live a fairly long time. and average age is about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bones in your body also regenerate every, about every 10 years. If you think yeah. every 10 years is a long time, you haven't seen anything. Um, and as far as what is this other, other parts of your body, which are as old as you are, example, the brain. Brain's one of the only things that doesn't really regenerate itself yeah. um, as far as um, the things that I've uh, read about it. And I had some actually some I'm Very more. lucky that my liver has been regenerating Yeah, that's the other thing. Every seven years, we essentially become new people, right? Every and this is this is really really compelling information because we're not the same person that we are as the days go by. I mean, think of how many cells, a million cells, die every single day in our bodies. You want to hear something gross? Yeah. You know, when you get in your car and you see like all the dust everywhere that's like collected around your steering wheel and whatever. Oh yeah, that's all skin cells. Ew. No, no, yeah. it's not. Mm-hmm. For the for the most part, it's mostly skin cells. How how is pretty that? disgusting, huh? How how does that be? <laughs> well, you know, you're in your car all the time, so yeah, yeah, and, and they just maybe like the AC, the AC just sort of mm-hmm. blows it around yeah, all blows over it the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, I, I guess that that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. But a perfect example is like, I mean, we don't we don't see these things with our eyes because they're happening at the sort of microscopic level. Yeah. Like your liver will regenerate over six or seven years. Mm-hmm. So technically, probably seven years from now, you're a completely different person. Yeah. From at the molecular level. But at the same time, we think of like the dance that we sort of engage in just in regular everyday life. I mean, if you thought of think back who you were back when you were 10 years old, 15, 20, chances are you had gone through these sort of archetypal um, like journeys that people go through. When I think back about my youth, I'm nothing like who I used oh, to God, be. Oh God, thank God I'm nothing like I used to be. Yeah, but- it's but, kind of an asshole. But think of how sure you were during that time that that's how you were going to be forever. You know, I wasn't though. Yeah. I was kind of, yeah. I was just one of those kids that I knew that everything I was going through was a phase. Like I knew yeah. that I wasn't going to always be this way. Yeah. And I was always very forward looking, yeah. which made made it very hard to live- in the present and to be happy in the present. So mm-hmm. I really struggled with that as a young person. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have a great home life. So I, all I could think about was getting the fuck out of there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, so. it, and, and I've gone through that situation too, because I, I kind of moved through a lots of different things. Uh, I guess me in contrast, I never really had an issue with change, mm-hmm. um, but I've experienced a lot of people along my journey that are very, very set on being a certain specific way. There's sort of like this feeling and this reluctance to change. Yeah. This feeling and reluctance to want to do anything new. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's sort of like this contradictory situation that happens with a lot of people where they also want to adventure mm-hmm. and they want to experience things that are more conducive to the things that they want to do. Mm-hmm. But so you have these sort of like split in personalities where it's like there are some people that want to stay the same structurally who they are. And there are some people that, or those same people that want to go you know, overseas and go travel and get out of their comfort zone. So I think it speaks to people want full control over how they change and they can't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cause when I was young, I mean, I did a lot of crazy shit when I was young. When I think back of, you know, having to climb through a girl's window in order to see her because her dad thought I was a weirdo, like yeah. a goth kid. <laughs> 
completely prohibited me from seeing her. I had to do that. I like, yeah. lived in Arizona at the time, and I'd walk for like two miles in yeah. the dark at like 10 o'clock at night yeah. just to see this girl named Trisha Nelson. And I had to like <laughs> hop in and go break through her window. And now I'm thinking, and, and I swore that that relationship was like she was the one. Yeah. That was just that Libra side in me, like yeah. I just, that, that lover inside of me that's like, you're the one. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's sort of like this Romeo and Juliet scenario where like mm-hmm. you're willing to throw everything, including your education away for this person yeah, and rebel against your family, which, you know, God forbid, like the, the parents, uh, I feel like I had good judgment back then. They were kind of assholes. Yeah. It wasn't my, you know, young sort of immature sense of rebellion. Right. I feel like I still held some level of intelligence back then. Yeah. But it's interesting how much we change yet in those moments you swear that you're going to be exactly the same, yeah. you know, and it's sort of like moves and sort of, you sort of progress down your field of experience. And then say you get into a relationship for five, four or six years and you end up getting married and it doesn't end up working out. But in those moments when you're going through the motions of like that marriage with other, with, with that person, your entire life is formulated around these experiences, how you think the things that you like. And then one day, if it happens to fizzle out and you and find yourself outside of that, you're living a completely different life. Mm-hmm. And so how reincarnation comes into the field with that is that it's obviously the birth of something mm-hmm. you're creating. It doesn't even have to be a relationship. The fact that you have the ability to think mm-hmm. one thought and the ability to let that thought go and rest and create another thought. There's an interval that happens between one thought and another. Mm-hmm. So there's this sort of polarity that exists between two things. There's beingness and then there's beingness waiting to come into beingness there's a sort of like this black and white sort of hard fast contrast that we have in life mm-hmm. that speaks to reincarnation yeah. right reincarnation being life and then death and then the circular motion of that mm-hmm. you know yeah and so uh thought is a perfect example of that because in order to formulate new thoughts you have to let go of other thoughts yeah so in order to be able to experience something, you have to let go of a lot of other things, you know, mm-hmm. like stuff like that. Alan Watts actually put it in a really interesting way because he studies Zen Buddhism and always uh, really loved his work. But he thinks of like in, in New Age movement, it's very common for people to think of human beings as one, right? Yeah. We say that a lot. Like right. we're all one. We're all one force moving about the planet just from a certain vantage point. But at the very core, we're all one. Mm-hmm. And so one thing that we do know about people is that when somebody dies, another person is born. Yes. Right. So we get to experience life all around us. Like we, we, mm-hmm. we have friends that have children. We've also been born, even though I can't even remember being born. So sometimes I think like, was I actually born? So, yeah. So this, um, I sent this to you earlier. So uh, Brian Weiss or Brian Weiss, I don't know exactly how to pronounce his name. Um, he was a, a psychiatrist and, or is a psychiatrist and, um, did a lot of his early work in the seventies. And, um, he's kind of like the, I don't want to say like the grandfather, but he's kind of like the go-to guy for reincarnation. Yeah. And, uh, he has a super, super cool story. I'll just tell a story real quick. I'm kind of digressing, but I thought this was really, really cool. Yeah. He didn't really, uh, he didn't really believe in re- reincarnation. He was kind of agnostic, just didn't really know what to believe. He was like very scholarly, yeah. educated at Yale, so Yale and Columbia, so just like a very scholarly guy. Yeah. And in the 70s, he had a patient that um, was had a lot of phobias, and that 
were just like totally consuming her life. So he was doing hypnotherapy with her and she ended up going into a past life regression during that, that hypnotherapy session. And, um, she went through like the full experience of drowning. So that was one of her phobias was water. And it's because she drowned in a past life. Well, during this, this experience, um, some loved ones came through for him and um, were kind of channeled through her. And it was, he lost two children. So he lost a baby that was, you know, um, under 30 days old Mm -hmm. um, to a congenital heart defect and lost um, uh, his other, his daughter. I don't remember what of, but she was older and she was also named after his father. Um, But the names were not like the same name. It was just kind of similar. Yeah. So uh, long and short of the story, this woman who was channeling channeling these people from the dead, um, there's no way that she could have known any of this stuff. This is like pre-Google, pre-internet, you right. know, this is 1970s. So Encyclopedia Britannica shit. Totally, yeah. yeah. So, um, so it was pretty cool that uh, they were able to come forward and make that impression on him for him to just really dive deep into the whole, you know, afterlife and reincarnation aspect. But um, that was his story. So I thought that was pretty cool that kind of, that, what brought that up so he has some like really amazing past life cards um oracle cards yeah um they're by far my favorite and Mm. one of my girlfriends um i love you know having my friends pull past life cards she used to be very very religious like very um like evangelical yeah religious pretty much yeah. yeah so she participated in and you know all the church groups and you know was there Every day the doors were open. She was at church, right? Yeah, souls and, to the poles. Yeah. So um, as a, as like a, a teenager, she wasn't raised in that environment. So yeah. her parents weren't forcing her to go to church. This is kind of like an avenue she took on her own. Yeah. So um, she's really involved in church, and then she starts to see like what's really going on, that these are just like human people, right? And, um, and eventually ended up leaving the church for some personal reasons and some things that happened. And um, when she, I have this deck of past life cards and she pulled a past life card and the first one that she pulled was religion. Mm. And on the card, it said, the reason why you're drawn to religion in this life is because you were um, you were alive during the times of Jesus and walked, walked with Jesus. Yeah. And you know the real story because you were there. So you have a hard time accepting modern religion because it's not factually correct right so i thought that was really interesting that that was the one card that she pulled and it was like just really spoke to her and was really really her stuff but anyway walked with jesus walked with jesus pretty cool yeah so i sent you um uh brian's um meditation and i actually did it today before the podcast to see you know if anything would come up for me yeah um and damn it, I fell asleep. You fell asleep? <laughs> I fell asleep. I was really oh, yeah. I was really tired today too. You're not so, ready yet. Yeah, so I, I woke up like kind of toward the end and I was like, shit, I missed the whole thing. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> yeah. so I'm gonna do it again. But anyway, I sent it to you because um, there were some parts of it that I was like kind of um, kind of I thought it was like kind of lucid dreaming a little bit. Yeah. Um, that I was kind of slipping in and out. But it in in this um, in this past life regression meditation, um, you experience your birth. So, oh, okay. yeah, so he like walks you through how to visualize and experience yeah. your birth. So you said, you're like, hey, I was wondering, that's what yeah, brought but, me on this but, tangent. But Yeah, but you know, when I think about birth, though, like in Buddhism, they actually say that the single most uh, 
traumatic experience that most people feel or go through is b- b- being born. Yeah. Because that's like the one thing that Buddhists are trying to avoid is they're mm-hmm. trying to avoid reincarnation. It's interesting because the idea of reincarnation gives us a whole lot of comfort. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, there's a lot of people that are like, don't oh, worry, yeah, if you fail this test, you can retake it. You can it. do it again. But then <laughs> yeah. the, the Buddhist monks, they're trying to avoid that. They're right. trying everything that they can in order to not try and come here again. Yeah. You know, I get it. it, it exactly. Yeah. So, and, and at the same time, when you're born, I mean, the, the conditions, unless you, you know, have a new age sort of hippie family that uses like dolphins as midwives yeah. and you're born <laughs> in a tub and like yeah. know, somewhere in Joshua Tree, mm-hmm. for the most part, everybody is born in a hospital. Yeah. And I mean, that that's not the most harmonious place to, you know, begin your ascent into regular life. So I imagine... It's very traumatic for a child. Mm-hmm. I was actually born with my umbilical cord around my neck and I was yeah. supposed to die. Yeah. Ooh. You know, like they told me I wasn't going to live because there were a lot of other health issues I had, like my lung collapse, like a bunch of crazy wow. stuff. Holy shit. Yeah. And I wasn't supposed to make it. And I think that, that, that sort of trauma that I experienced from being born, I have carried with me throughout my life when it came to things like panic attack and breathing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Right. Oh, that's you interesting. Just, like, yeah. Feeling that people go through when they experience panic attacks mm-hmm. of, of not being able to breathe. Breathe. Yeah. And, I, you know, for a long time, I couldn't figure out exactly where that was coming from. Yeah. I just saw it as energy moving through my body. And, of course, healed that when I think about, you know, trace back through my DNA and speak to my family and everything about what I went through as a child. It makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. That's kind of like PTSD. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So, imagine Shit. every kid goes through that because, one, at the very core of who we are, we don't want to be here. Right. I mean, we, we do want to be here, yeah. but I mean, we signed up for this, but now it's like, okay, this was, this was cool. Yeah. Let's not do this again. Yeah. The goal <laughs> is to like try and escape yeah. the sort of clutches of Mara so that we can ascend to the higher dimensions, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, basically back to my story about Alan, what Alan Watts was saying is that when, when somebody dies, we've experienced that before other people yeah. in our lives dying, but at the same time, we've also experienced other babies being born. So if mm-hmm. you look at, human beings from an impersonal sort of undifferentiated self sort of way, which is you're not Jen and I'm not Eric. We're both the same soul, right? Yeah. We're one. Yeah. There's only new age. They call it one. Mm-hmm. So if you see a baby being born, that's you. Yeah. And if you see somebody dying, that's you too. Yeah. Right. And so the only thing that can happen when you die is another experience that's relative to that because human beings, at least from our soul perspective, the only thing that we have a context for is actually being alive. Mm-hmm. We've never experienced nothingness. It's for all yeah. those people out there that I think that after they die, they're just going to go into this empty void of nothingness. You don't know what that's like because you never experienced it. Right. The only thing that you've ever experienced is being awake, yeah. of, being, of being. Even when you sleep, it gives you this feeling that you're dead, but you're still there. You're just there in a different way. So why do you think that there's so many different ideas of ensoulment, like the time of ensoulment? What do you mean? So like Christians, for example, or Catholics specifically believe that your soul incarnates into your body at the time of conception. And, you know, the Greeks believe that it's 40 days for males and 90 days for females. And um, Islam believes that the soul incarnates around 42 days. And Jewish also also believe the moment of conception. Hindus say around seven months. So, and and then I kind of like the general consensus is like 120 days. Yeah. So why, why do you think there's such a huge disparity between all of these different religions whenever the soul is actually incarnating in our body? Well, the interesting thing about what you're saying that I gather from everything that you're saying is that it, there seems to be a pattern in the fact that consciousness doesn't enter into the body until it's born. 
right? Um, no, no. It, uh, when I say 40 days, I mean 40 days from conception. From conception? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of Buddhists actually um, don't believe that the, the the spirit enters into the body until, until the moment that it's until born. Until the moment it's born, yeah. Right. Yes. And and the thing is, I know there are a lot of people out there that are pro-life or, or whatever stance you happen to take, looking at it from a spiritual perspective, um, I don't ever see... Um, it as a good or bad sort of scenario. What I look at it is sometimes somebody needs to experience a split second of being alive and that's mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Right. Sometimes a soul signs up to just be born and experience life for a day for it for two. Yeah. Even spirits life inside of the womb and that's it. Yeah. And for all, you know, the, you know, the child's choice or the, the spirit's choice to reincarnate into the womb and dying prematurely could be a compassionate act to teach the parents right. a lesson about something. Mm -hmm. right? right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, so that's why. And, and yeah, it, it's it's possible. I mean, it's it, it, there's really no way to know. I just go off of uh, my experience. But uh, at the end of the day, when I look at the collective sort of uh, zeitgeist of all of that, mm -hmm. I just look at it as like God experiencing a multitude of different types of experiences in every way possible. So whether or not it starts at the moment of conception or at the moment of birth, I'm not really too concerned with that. Yeah. You know, but it is interesting. Or like four months in. Yeah. Like <laughs> like four months in. Christianity is also a really really interesting example of reincarnation because it seems more of like a touchy subject when it comes to people other than Jesus. Yes. Which is interesting, right? But mm -hmm. from what I've read of of uh, Jesus, um, a lot of different stories actually, but the one that we're most familiar with in fundamental Christianity is that he died on the cross mm -hmm. and they took him off and then his spirit resurrected mm -hmm. and people saw that. Right. And that sort of like being born again sort of scenario takes place and Jesus died for your sins. That whole thing. We're all familiar with that, right? What if what if they just changed the verbiage in the Bible from resurrected to reincarnated? And then suddenly everybody would believe in reincarnation? Yeah. Well that's the know. thing the 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 aspect of the transition sort of speaks to a kind of reincarnation. There are two ways that you can kind of piece apart that whole that whole thing. One you can look at it metaphorically as the human dies to the ego mm -hmm. and is reborn the spirit. Mm -hmm. I think that's the deeper sort of Gnostic Gospels perspective of that. Yeah. Right. And then there's also actual, like legit history, which is that it's a possibility that Jesus was actually not drugged. There's a possibility. They, they said that he was drugged and didn't actually identify exactly what the drug was, but the soldiers actually wanted to give him some wine. Mm -hmm. I think they called it gall, mm -hmm. something like that. And then uh, mixed with myrrh. And that was uh, according to things that I've heard from historians, that was sort of like a, a compassionate act, sort of like here, we're going to put you out of your misery. So take this. Yeah. And so they just sort of, uh, most of the people that are up there suffering eventually die and, and yeah. pass on. But there was a rumor or there's actually a lot of evidence to back it up. I, I couldn't tell you exactly what, but that he was drugged. Little purple drink. Yeah. They gave him a little scissor. <laughs> they, they gave him a little scissor. They'll give him a little sugar water purple, uh -huh. right? And he fell into this sort of like coma where people mm -hmm. thought he was dead, but he wasn't really dead. Yeah. And I don't know if that was something that was pre-organized in advance, mm -hmm. but when they found him, he wasn't breathing. He wasn't alive, or at least to their standards. So they put him in the cave and then he woke up, mm -hmm. right? After yeah. this drug sort of wore off, he okay. woke up and he fled off to India. Right. Okay. And that's in, in 
the one thing, the reason why I support that is because if you read the Gnostic Gospels, which have a lot of basically the missing chapters of the Bible, um, you have the Gospel of Matthew, Mary Magdalene, of Judah, paints a completely different story of how that whole thing went about. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Jesus speaks to a lot of like very Eastern sort of principles, even Mm -hmm. in the New Testament, even in the, yeah, the New Testament of the Bible, like a lot of these things he's talking about are things that you specifically hear from Eastern gurus. Yeah. Even in the the gospel of, uh, of, of Matthew, or even just in the Gnostic gospels in general, he talks about meditation. Mm -hmm. He talks a lot about like, uh, human beings all being one mm-hmm. and God being the source of everything. Yeah. You know, you lift a stone and I am there. Like the church of God is inside of your heart, which yeah. which sort of dissolves one major aspect, which is the church. Yeah. Which he's saying that you don't need the church. Right. And inevitably when you sort of like systematically try and institutionalize religion, destroy it. Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus' messages was. But, you know, of course the the ideas that we have of reincarnation are uh, doesn't really support human beings, but it, somehow it supports Jesus. But Jesus was actually human, just like us. So the main message that I take from that whole scenario is that like human beings go through this throughout their life. They go through these constant, constantly being born a specific person. You can be a goth kid. Mm-hmm. You can be a jock. You can be a stoner. <laughs> yeah. You can be a plumber, uh, an accountant. We mm-hmm. take on all these different roles in our lives. And in those moments that we're in them, we, we, we get this sort of feeling that somehow it's always going to be this way mm-hmm. uh, without really taking into account the fact that everything around us is changing, sometimes yeah. except for us. Yeah. Like the trees are always sort of changing. Nature is always changing. Like you can look in the mirror and see yourself changing. And that to me is the perfect example of, of uh how I think reincarnation actually exists because you could live and die in the same life. Yeah. And the same from moment to moment. Like I've, I've gone into relationships with women that I was absolutely in love with and due to the circumstances of just life tearing two people apart, completely destroyed my, my world and my life and completely broke my heart. And everybody's been in a relationship like that where like completely just shatters your heart, mm-hmm. breaks you into a million pieces and you swear you're never going to come out of that. Yeah. You're never going to come out of that the same person. And right. you're absolutely right. Yeah. You it's don't. True. You don't. But what comes out of that, and I think that's the thing, is like human beings, we learn the most from adversity in the moment. Mm-hmm. And that adversity it becomes the greatest catalyst for us to change and become somebody new. That mm-hmm. whole sort of metaphor of like the phoenix, yeah, arising from the ashes. That's right. Why do why do we not see that as reincarnation? Because it is. Mm-hmm. You go from being one person to a completely different person on this sort of accelerated path through mm-hmm. the chakras, of going from somebody that's asleep to somebody that's kind of awake, somebody that's sort of like stumbling from the the, the bedroom into the bathroom, mm-hmm. you know, in the morning on the way to work, to somebody that is just fully fully open and fully present to spirit. Yeah. And that's the sort of Jesus moment where you're like, you're, you're, you're born again into this being that is awakened and you see the truth of how everything works. Totally. That's how I feel after my first cup of coffee in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Oh and my I'm God. It's like, Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I know people that like, you can't talk to them until they have their coffee. 
You know, I'm very much a morning person. I wake up happy. I mean, I'm just like a, and I like to wake up early. You know, I'm, I'm a morning person, mm -hmm. but I don't feel like my brain really starts working and I'm like in my groove until after I've had my coffee. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally dependent. I'm hooked. Yeah. Well, everybody's got their thing though. That's my you know thing. What I mean, everybody's got that morning ritual. Yeah. You can look at it as morning rituals. And, you know, I don't necessarily care how like how, how spiritual or not spiritual you are. It helps definitely to have a practice, but everybody has their own form of that. Yeah. You know, so if somebody wants to wake up and have a cup of coffee, it's cool. Yeah. I'm talking about like people that like, you can't talk to them. Oh, yeah. Or something bad will happen. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I, I try and wrap my brain around that because mm -hmm. I, I've always been one of those people that like just wakes up very, maybe that's. One thing that I will celebrate about myself is that, like, I've always been one of those people that, like, somebody wakes me up. I'm like, oh, hey, yeah. what's up? Yeah, me too. What's going on? I'm not like, why did you wake me up? Right? Why did you wake me up? Like, yeah. why did you nudge me? Like, people that are just completely light sleepers. And the yeah. second you do something, they're like. And you get the death stare. It's like, it's like, like summoning the, the dragon. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've had, oh, man, crazy experiences. I've had, like, um, exes that I've, I've had in the past that. Um, made me sleep on the couch because of like like things like snoring and stuff like that. Wow, really? Yeah. Do people do that? Do women do that, Jen? Yeah, women do do that. Really? I, you know, you I don't. Made, you ever made a guy sleep on the couch for snoring? No, but I have. Um, uh, my husband is very much a snorer. <laughs> like he needs a CPAP. Yeah. Um, and he's he has sleep apnea too, so he'll he'll like stop breathing, and then I'll just hear him go. Oh, he starts choking, yeah, choking on his tongue and I'll roll him over. I'm yeah. like, oh man. But if it's too bad and if I don't go to sleep before him, that's the trick. I yeah. have to be sleeping before he falls asleep and then we're good. But if not, I will go sleep in the other room. Yeah, there are like two types of people. I feel like when it comes to that sort of thing, women that like, or women and men that just absolutely hate it. Mm -hmm. Like they'll straight up break up with you if you snore. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, which is really insane to me. Like yeah, I don't get that. Like there's got to be. It's a not solution. like you're doing it on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. It's like sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like what? What are you supposed to do about it? Right. I don't know. You know. Yeah. It's like, and in, in your case, like that 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 could be a life or death situation. Like you stop breathing, that's a collaboration. Oh, that, totally. That there's a certain compassionate force that operates between that sort of collaboration you have. You know, I just thought of a super embarrassing story. I'm going to share it. The oh my God. The second, before you do that, the, okay. then the second type of person okay. are the ones, and I've, I've, I've experienced this too, where it's like, oh, I like your snoring. It's cute. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know what that's about because I don't think it's cute and I snore sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's, I feel it's, like it's everybody cute. snores sometimes, especially if you're sick or if you're on your back. I but know. I don't see it as a particularly like sort of like cute. Cute? It's no. Cute when you snore. Is it like a daddy thing? Yeah, maybe. You know? I don't know. It's like maybe like the, the, the mother or the dad are just used to them snoring, so it creates this sort of like sense of comfort. Maybe. Could be something like that. Oh, yeah. I don't know. You'd have to ask that person because I don't think snoring's cute. Hey, it works in my favor, though, because if yeah. I snore, then they think it's cute. Hey, it's a win-win. Whatever works. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What's that story? So I was dating a guy in, when I was in, in college, and um, we had broken up and, you know, we're still kind of hanging out every once in a while. And mm -hmm. we went out to eat. We had some Mexican food. I had some cilantro and some tacos and whatever, mm -hmm. some just real stinky shit, right? Mm -hmm. And <laughs> stinky shit. <laughs> and, you know, a couple margaritas. I got a little buzz on. And if I have a little buzz before I go to sleep, I'm like, 
sleeping hard. So apparently I fell asleep. Especially after Mexican food. Especially after Mexican food. Heavy, all that dairy, you know, just like it's not a good, it's not a good situation or a combination, right? Yeah, you got the the meat sweats. Yeah, who the meat sweats. Oh, gross. That's a thing. It is a thing. It's like your digestive tract telling you like, hey, don't eat this shit because it takes me forever to. Yeah, to process it. break it down. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently I fell asleep and um, I was tired, started snoring, Mm -hmm. had my mouth open, onion, cilantro, hot ass breath, just the green green sauce or the red sauce. Oh, I don't know. It it was a long time. This was a long time ago. So um, he was like, damn girl. I mean, we, we dated for a couple of years, so he knew me pretty well. And the next morning he was like, he was like, that is the last time that I'm going to take you for Mexican food and let you sleep at my house. He was like, he was like, you were snoring so loud and your breath smelled so bad. I had oh to go sleep gosh. on the couch. Oh no. Well, at least yeah, that's really bad. At least you weren't flatulating though. Oh my God. That'd be like a deal breaker. Way worse. You know? Yeah. 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 And I was thinking, man, thank God that wasn't like a new guy. Thank God that was like an old guy where shit was already over. Yeah, I've run into situations like that. It's like yeah. you, you, you have to be human, but there's like this part of you when you're dating somebody where you kind of have to like keep that sort of side away from them. Yeah. And you, you, you take a risk when it comes to sleep because you don't know what you're going to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. like you don't know what's going to happen. You don't, yeah. You don't know if you're going to snore. You don't know if you're going to breathe on them. You don't know. You don't know. Yeah. You don't know. You know, yeah. you don't know the knowing thing. Dragon breath, farts. Yeah. I mean, exactly. there's so many things that could happen. Exactly. I remember one time I went to San Francisco uh, with my family to see my brother because that's where he lives. And we went to this Indian restaurant because mm. I love Indian food. Oh, Indian too. food's like one of my favorite foods of all time. Tikka masala. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Eggplant bartha for me. I think I pronounced it right, but I think people know what it is. Yeah. It's an eggplant dish. It's super delicious. <laughs> so good. Just even thinking about it right now makes me kind of hungry. <sighs> Anyways, so we went and we did this Indian food thing. And uh, people that know in, uh, eating Indian food, they know what I'm talking about. You kind of have to be careful with extracurricular activities because what they don't tell you about Indian food is it sort of like s- escapes through your pores. It totally does. So I went to, we went, we had this idea of going out to this nightclub, you know, um, a lifetime ago, back when people used to do that sort of thing. And uh, we kind of boogied, boogied down, danced the night away. Uh-oh. And so you had like four or five people all together in this dance floor that all just ate Indian food. With curry sweat. With curry sweat. And then just like, I was just like, man, people knew. Yeah. People knew. People knew you guys just had Indian food. People knew that we got that mad flavor. Yep. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's what I thought. Mad flavor. That's hilarious. That's the one thing, the reason why I like Indian food is it's so aromatic. There's nothing like it. it. Is. There you is know? nothing like it. And people are like, well, Indian food's not good for you. But you know what, though? It's not? You're not being powered. Well, it can be really bad. Really? But What's bad? Well, they use a lot of like a lot oil. of dairy, a lot of like oil, a lot of mm. milk, a lot of cream, and yeah. it's delicious, okay. yeah. right? But they get a pass because you're not really eating it for that. That's not that's not what's going to keep you going. Right. What's going to keep you going is the amount of love that they put into it. Oh, for sure. You know, people that make Indian food, the Indians, like they they you can just tell by oh, just yeah. the flavor, their the aromatic flavor of it. Yeah. That there's love put into it. Yeah. You could respect that. One of my best friends is Indian. She's Malayali. And I was the only non-family member in her wedding. And the only reason I got asked to be in the wedding is because the cousin from India got sick and didn't make it. 
So, yeah. And we had the most beautiful saris and I did all of the Indian stuff with her. They still, and this is crazy. They did a dowry exchange, like still. What is that? What is a dowry exchange? Um, So it's kind of like the, um, like what white people would do as, or American people, I guess, would do as a um, wedding shower. But wait, wait, white people and American people. Those are two different things. Well, white people, American people, like, uh, I don't know, like more American tradition, American Western, Western tradition to oh, have like a wedding shower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is kind of like that, but they actually take all the gold um, that that has been passed down in the family and whatever and put it in a box yeah. and have like a contract of the dowry for the woman. So they exchange this box of jewelry and they like give the box of jewelry to the new family for the for the bride and all of that all of that. Oh, really? So yeah, to like pay for the bride. So that's to purchase the bride. Yeah, that's some crazy shit. Crazy shit, right? So a dowry. I, Never, yeah, how do you, so, you know how to spell that? Yeah, uh, dow, uh, dowry. D o w r y. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, so that was pretty cool. So, uh, we did that and she was like, oh yeah, you know, it's just, um, close family and friends. I get there 450 people, close family and friends. I'm like, what the fuck? Her wedding was like a thousand people. What? Yeah. Did she, did she, did she go to you and say, sorry, not sorry? (laughs) No, she didn't. Did you see what I did there? Yeah. I saw what you did there. Sorry, Uh not sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Those sorries are beautiful though. They are really beautiful. I have, because of her wedding, I have several, but um, yeah, because there's a lot of like things you have to go to whenever you're an Indian in an Indian wedding. Yeah, so, yeah. and they know how to party. They know oh, how they to do. cook that food. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was the food. That's what I was getting to. I got lost in, lost in the sauce there. Mm. Got lost in the curry. Oh, yeah. Um, but her family. What um, kind of curry are we talking about, though? Oh, it was tikka masala curry <laughs> okay spicy ass curry too damn oh. they like their food spicy oh yeah i gotta watch it so yeah i was over at her house and um and her mom just kept trying to feed me i was like damn does she think like i i am a little on the heavy side i don't know why mm. she would think that i was you know not yeah. well fed yeah. but um i guess that's like how they extend their courtesy is to overfeed you well i mean you can understand that you're from the south yeah i yeah right? i guess we kind of do the same thing yeah, yeah. that makes sense can you make them butter biscuits? Oh, do you yeah. have like Southern um, sort of recipes, recipes that you've had that have been passed down by? Yeah, I do. Do you I have, do. what? what's one of them? Um, deviled eggs. Devil, deviled eggs, Jen? Yeah. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but you can ask anybody. My deviled eggs are the best. Really? I make the best. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, they, do you eat, do you eat eggs? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll make course. you some. Yeah. Yeah. Deviled but eggs. But I'll leave the bacon out. Yeah. Because yeah. I blend bacon in with them too. But Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm out. hungry now. I know, yeah. I'm hungry. Yeah. So back to what we were talking about, reincarnation. <laughs> <laughs> the Indians know, and that's, I think maybe that's the reason why they're so jolly all the time is because they know just based off of what's in the uh, the Vedas and mm-hmm. the Upanishads. And um, it's part of very much a part of their culture mm-hmm. to not be afraid of death. I mean, yeah. you go down to the banks of the Varanasi in India, like they're out there burning bodies. Yeah. And from the American perspective, we see that it's kind of crazy because our our nation does a really exceptional job at sort of keeping that from our view. Yeah. So uh, not to say that, you know, we have to become desensitized to it, but I think it's just the intention, you know, like uh, it's almost hurts us in a lot of ways to not be sort of subject to at least the idea of death being sort of somewhat normal thing. 
Yeah. It's not something that we normally talk about, which creates a lot of mystery and uh, sort of a stigma yeah. behind it. But I think one thing that I found about my research into death is that I found a lot of peace. Actually, mm-hmm. I, if I were to like speak really honestly about it, I think like most people's sense of freedom and well-being and peace comes from the full understanding of what that means. hundred percent. And it's interesting because that's the one place that people are so afraid to look into. And I'm not talking about a macabre sort of like, you know, like a dark aspect of death. I'm just talking about the fact that like, the, it's, it's a fact that the, the body dies. Right. And to think about the implications of what that means. Mm-hmm. And to, to really wrap your brain around that. And once I started going into that and reading the stories of elders that were 80 years old or 90 mm-hmm. years old, like you start to see life in a more beautiful way. You start to see it as just being a natural process. hundred percent. If you speak yeah. to an 80 year old woman and I used to work in, um, I volunteered in a nursing home for a long time. And when I was actually really young and the reason why I got sent there, super young, I was like 17 years old. I got sent there because I got caught underage smoking <gasps> one day before my 18th Naughty. birthday. What? One day before my 18th birthday, Jen. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Cause at they the made time, you do community service. They made me do community service. Oh and I'll share this God. story really, really quick <laughs> because at the time I worked at the mall uh-huh. at the block at Orange. Oh yeah. Right? Did you, you work know. at Journeys? Didn't work at Journeys. I worked at this hot place. Topic? No, no, oh. didn't have a hot topic. There oh, that wasn't time, around then. Yeah. Yeah. There's this place called the Earthbound Trading Company. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it was like a new age shop. They yeah. sold incense. Incense sort of, and all that shit. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like little tiki masks and shit like that. Tapestries and whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So I worked there, but I was still a very goth kid. Yeah. Right. So it was super goth and I used to like walk there and there was always like this police officer that was like assigned to the mall mm-hmm. and he'd always see me walk to work every single time I was working and he had this look in his eye, this like little twinkle in his eye. He's like, I'm going to get you with something yeah. one day. One day. For no Coming reason for at you. all. Yeah. No reason at all. And one day he saw me and I actually had a cigarette and I thought to myself like, this is a victory smoke because I'm about to turn 18, right? Yeah. Which by the way, I don't smoke anymore for the, the, the lighting up the cigarettes. Yeah. That's and good, he caught me. He caught me. He's like, hey, come over here. He's like, points at me and he's like, come over here. So I walk up to him and he's like, what do you got there? Let me get your ID. Give him my ID. He knew that it was one day before my 18th birthday. He gave me a ticket. You know what he did? He made me call my mom. So I ended up calling my, my parents. No. The only thing that I hear on the phone is my mother yelling at him, being like, don't you guys have anything better to do? My son's like the sweetest person in the world and you guys are giving him all this shit. And he just was like, um, that didn't work, Yeah, obviously. So his win was he gave me a ticket, ended up go, having to go to court. Oh, my and gosh. And they gave me uh, 40 hours of community service, which, by the way, when I was actually there, there was somebody that went before me that got busted with possession of marijuana that got just one little simple little drug awareness class on a weekend. No. Yes. But I got 40 hours of community service, which this is the interesting way in which God sort of moves through mm-hmm. life and human beings. Is yeah. That was like the, one of the greatest blessings in my life because yeah. they assigned me to this place called the Acacia Adult Day Center in uh, Fountain Valley, I think it uh-huh. was. And it was a senior citizen home. Uh-huh. And so that was one of my first experiences in volunteering. And it sort of like got the gears rolling into you know, a lot of really beautiful things in my life as far as the journey into spirituality. So I sat with a lot of senior citizens and got to make really good friends with them and hear about their life. And the reason why I bring this up is because you talk to an elderly woman, an elderly man that has lived through World War II, 
mm-hmm. that is either survived a concentration camp yeah. or was there there they were literally slaves in the Midwest or all these different things that happened around the 30s, 40s and 50s and hearing the stories of them and seeing where they're at at that at that moment in that time 80 90 years old they're ready to go. Yeah, for sure. They have made complete peace with where they are mm-hmm. in their life. And some some of them, a large percentage of them are like, I don't know why God doesn't take me now. Like yeah. I'm ready to go. Oh yeah. You've made peace. Uh-huh. And then there are some that are like, you know, I'm good either way. Yeah. But there's this sense of calm and peace that you don't find in sort of middle-aged older people. Oh, totally. You only find it in the elderly. Yeah. And I think there's a certain part of that being an, an elder process where you're having to let go of a lot of lo- past lives mm-hmm. that you've lived in your life and you're having to see life changing think about how much life changes for an 80 or 90 year old woman oh my god or man yeah like three four five we couldn't even count how many times seeing the people in your life pass away yeah animals and by the, the time you're change. that old you're like pretty much on your own and everybody you know is dead yeah so you're so. just like ready to go yeah and experiencing that also working in hospice like there's a certain beauty and grace to that process it's not this sort of like weird scary thing that people think it is you know i am just i have this mental image of you in my head in your black jinkos with your chain wallet and your black i don't know t-shirt with your black hair. Jinko's Jen. Really? <laughs> Jinko's. And your eyeliner. I did a lot of crazy in the stuff. Old folks Jinko's weren't one of those. <laughs> even though those were those were those were things back then. Oh, that was such a thing back then. Jinko's. Yeah. Those were like the big, big the pants big that like pants. went over your shoes. Yeah. And the, like the pockets were really low. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't do the Jinko's thing. Oh, I had the girl Jinko's, so really? all about that. Yeah. Oh yeah. I feel like the, those those they'll still have a chance to be come back because there's a lot of stuff from the yeah, '90s that are coming 90s, back now. Yeah, all the '90s shit is coming back. I kind of like it. Like the big, like chunky Skechers shoes. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like a lot of that crazy stuff. I yeah. feel like Jinkos could make a comeback, even though I actually don't think that they're even around still. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah, but something like it, somebody will rip them off, and it'll be, and then we'll be the old people saying like. When we used to wear those, they were called Jinkos. Now oh, they're, yeah. you know, whatever, Yeezys. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I was more of like that traditional sort of dark wave goth, had all the vinyl and oh, okay. the, the fishnet. Okay. So oh, okay. Yeah. White face. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> Even better. Yeah. Even better. I had to put more of an effort into looking different without actually realizing that I was just the same as every other goth kid <laughs> that was going around. It's crazy how kids like go through all these various sort of hurdles in order to try and be different. Uh-huh. Even though if you look at the sort of like your quintessential goth kid they're all pretty much the same mm-hmm. you know i remember watching this movie called slc punk a long time ago oh yeah and it was basically a movie about like punk rock yeah. kids uh-huh. and at the very end of the movie this woman like uh meets up with the one of the main characters and she's like you know like what's with the whole god like the whole punk get up like with the hair and the, the the shoes it's like and he's just like oh it's punk rock it's like rebellion and she's like no you're playing into the same sort of consumer uh world Mm-hmm. materialistic world that everybody else is yeah you know you you think of the amount of effort that you have to put in in order to get your hair to look like that think <laughs> of how what you what stores you have to go in and actually mm-hmm. pay even more money even more money for yeah. clothes to look punk rock right and so it's like what's the real goal here and she's like saying like if you want to fuck up the system do it from the inside you know mm-hmm. don't do it by just rebelling against the the system that like you need to sort of 
move through because that really isn't the problem. It's 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 people. Yeah. It's like humans. So you know, later on in the movie, he ends up actually sort of getting rid of that whole getup mm-hmm. and you know finding himself in a position in society that actually contributed in a positive way to the whole. Yeah. And I think that's that's that kind of speaks to uh, a more mature way of being different. Right. So being different uh, is kind of like what Osho talks about, which is like the art of living dangerously, which is be different from inside, like mm-hmm. in your spirit, like yeah. in your heart. You yeah. know, like a, a, a rebellious spirit is somebody that, you know, like moves to the beat of their own drum, is, is unapologetically who they are mm-hmm. and fiercely who they are, whether or not it's sometimes you like them, sometimes you don't. It's basically, it speaks to like this fierce honesty that you have with yourself. Mm-hmm. Is that is pure creativity. That is like you fully embodying your rebellious spirit. Rebellious spirit being as long as you're fully integrated with yourself, like your spirit, you're always going to be different than this sort of like collective sort of governance that manages how we move. Totally. You know? Yeah. That was good. That was good. That was yeah. a good little, little yeah. rant. Our nature is to be wild, you know? And, and our youth was one of the most exciting times. And as we, I guess, be, get older, we we crave that excitement. Man, I don't think so. You know, I don't think that my youth was, I think that my now is exciting because now I have like knowledge and a stable income and have 100% control of my environment I think now it's like way more exciting than being But that's a kid. what I mean you feel though. so helpless as a kid. Yeah, but that's what I mean. It's, it's like, like it, oh, there's this so sort stuck. of acknowledgement of what what you deem exciting changes, right? Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that I think just just what I know of you is that you fully embrace the fact that life changes. Mm-hmm. And that's a really f- sort of evolved sort of characteristic to have because there are a lot of people that are stuck living the same life over and over and over again death and taxes yeah that's the only thing that's going to be constant yeah everything else is going to change exactly so it's like just being open to the fact that things change and you you can't fight that yeah you know like we're the only sort of species in nature that is 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 concerned with this conversation of change Mm -hmm. and we have this sort of contradictory sort of mechanism that's always working at the same time which is our ego and our spirits are both battling one of them wants security yeah and to stay the same and then the other one wants to change right so it's all about like integrating your 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 mind and your heart Mm -hmm. and fully embracing the moment that you're in and realizing that whether or not you want to or not your body's changing life is changing you're always constantly changing and the best way to sort of like fully embrace all of that is to move with it yeah i like it Reincarnation. We lived and died a million times in the same life. For sure. You think of how many different yous you've been? Oh, man. Fuck. A lot. And how many yous I am right now. Yeah. In different life and different dimensions. Yeah. The only thing that gives us a sense of continuity is the fact that we have memory. Mm -hmm. Right? Because we have this long stream, this almost like sine wave of memory. We have this database that makes us feel like this is who we are consistently. But... Without that memory, all you would do is just exist moment to moment to moment. Yeah. And that's the only thing that's really real. So as far as past life memories are concerned, because I know I've had a couple um, through dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever had a past life memory? Past life? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I would say that a lot of the past life memories that I have are in dreams mm-hmm. or in these like weird moments of deja vu. Yeah. Do you have one you want to share? 
In dreams? Yeah. Oh, man. One that I want to share. I mean, I have a lot of alien dreams. can sort of attribute that to a past life, but I don't have any, like, right at this moment. I have a dream journal that I wrote down a lot of my dreams, but just like, you know, a lot of the dreams that you have, you don't remember them. Yeah. Unless you reference them. That's true. Um, I think that, I mean, the dreams that I've had about, uh, about, past lives um one in particular it was a dream but it was a very lucid dream and uh i spoke a different language i understand i understood everything Mm -hmm. um i was a slave and i was on a train and i was just sick of that shit and i would rather jump off the train and die than continue on Mm -hmm. to wherever this destination was i think i was actually a sex slave to be honest yeah um but I, i didn't quite go into that but i knew that i was i was being held against my will yeah and actually did jump off the train and then mm-hmm. I started running and then people were shooting at me trying to kill me and I was running across this field and I remember like feeling terrified but liberated at the same time yeah you know and I was like holy shit when I woke up I was like holy shit that was not a dream that was a memory like that happened to me you know it couldn't be like, random That's fucking crazy for you to know exactly how you felt there's so many specifics that point to like a knowing, like a deeper knowing. A way deeper knowing. Yeah. So I have a list. I'm just going to run through it real quick. Mm-hmm. But it's 10 signs that you know your soul has reincarnated. I do have one dream though. Okay. One memory. And this was actually really prolific because my entire life I carried it with me, not even realizing why. Uh-huh. You know, because there are lots of things that happen in life and you have memories that you hold with you, but you're not entirely sure why. Like mm-hmm. random things sometimes. Yeah. The one that I remember is having this dream where I was sitting with, at the in my dream, my father. Didn't look anything like my father in real life. Mm-hmm. So that spoke to a past life. Right. We were sitting uh, like in this chair, both sitting in chairs, and we were polishing coffins. Interesting. We were polishing, uh, he was polishing one and I was polishing one. And I was asking him a question. I was like, well, why do we have, why do, we have to do this? And he was saying, because you have to prepare for, for death. In so many words, that's what he mm-hmm. was saying. It yeah. was sort of the conversation. I don't remember exactly what was said, but he was saying that like we have to prepare and do everything that we ca- that we we can in order to basically come to terms and and find peace with the fact that this is inevitably what's going to happen. Wow. So that to me spoke to a lot of the work that I ended up actually getting into in my life, which is mm-hmm. you know near death experiences, afterlife studies. Yeah, I was and, just about to say that, that, that <laughs> yeah. you have you have a, a close fascination with death. So I can totally see that parallel. That's really cool. Yeah, and that dream happened when I was like in fifth grade. Wow. Fifth or sixth grade. How about that shit? And at that time it scared me. But now when I think about it now, it makes so much sense. Makes sense, Like yeah. my fascination with death, isn't, it isn't a dark thing. It's more yeah, of like no. it's a part of A curiosity life. and yeah. It's just a natural organic process. Right that I feel like a lot of people's sovereignty and salvation really lies in once they understand the illusion behind it. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of the mechanism that allows us to experience one thing and the other. Because you really wouldn't want to be alive forever. Yeah. Much As much as people think like, oh, I want to be alive forever. Fuck like, that. No, look at, like no at vampires. Way. Look at like Louis from Anne Rice's interview with the vampire. Those guys are fucking miserable. They're over that <laughs> shit. They're like, how do we get out? Let exactly. me off this ride. Yeah, and they're yeah. looking for any bit of, um, I guess, uh, any anything that reminds them of what it meant to be human because mm-hmm. after thousands of years of being alive, they completely forgot. Yeah. So nobody wants to be alive. And the reason why death exists is because it's the interval that allows us to start something new, mm-hmm. start something fresh, because you wouldn't want to be you forever 
No, fuck no. Right? And it's the reason why we have the ability to explore all these different things and even have the ability to even have life. Mm -hmm. Like there is no life without death. Mm -hmm. If you didn't have death, what would be the birthing process? That's right. You know, so that's something definitely to consider. You don't want to be alive forever. Yeah, you amen. Want, it's, and I think that literal interpretation is what creates a lot of confusion. The whole idea of immortality mm-hmm. as a literal perspective, not a good thing. Yeah. But immortality from the spiritual perspective, knowing that inside intrinsically you can never die. That's where the fucking power is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So what's that list? Hit the nail on the head. This list is pretty much you. Or like, in the coffin. You will identify with every single thing on here because when I was reading it, I totally thought of you. Okay, yeah. so this is coming from thepowerpositivity.com. And the first one is you have a powerful intuition. Mm-hmm. The second. Wait, what's the name of the list again? It's uh, the name of the list is 10 signs your soul has reincarnated. Okay. So right. you are here on this earth as a re- reincarnated being. Yeah. All right. You have powerful intuition. You have deja vu often. It makes sense. And you already brought that up. Yeah. And when I think of deja I have vu. It all the time. Like you've had deja vu before, oh, right? fucking all the time, so, at least once a week. So what I think of deja vu, uh, the process of deja vu is, is there's something in that moment that you need to learn. Like there, there's some sort of curriculum that's taking place in that moment you have deja vu. And maybe the last time in the last life, mm-hmm. you lost the game for that specific moment. Yeah. So deja vu is trying to tell like, pay attention. Yeah. Like react differently in this moment. Right. There's something to be learned here. It'd be the same as seeing 11, 11. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like something to pay attention to. Right. Or it could even just be like, you know what it could also be? Can, you know, like when you, I'm not a gamer, but people that play like PlayStation 2 and they have the save feature. Yeah. That's sort of like, maybe like you're sub, you're conscious's way of saying like save, save. Yeah. this is where exactly where you need to be right now yeah that's so that is the that is the feeling that i get every time i have deja vu is like okay this is let me letting me know i'm on track yeah like this is where i'm supposed to be it's like you god's pressing the save your angels and guides are pressing the save button they're saving the game for you totally totally yeah. um after this list i'll get into the scientific what they think deja vu is oh okay um number three you're highly sensitive mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Makes sense. You feel like you don't belong here. So many feels. And this I thought was pretty cool. Um, it's when it says you feel like you don't belong here. And also if you have a hard time relating to your parents, mm. um, because they're not like, I mean, they're just your earth parents, right? Yeah. Like you you look at them the way Jesus looks at them. Right. Like Jesus used to call his mom woman. <laughs> hey woman. He's like, hey woman. I mean, woman that's, that's, that birthed me. That's the best way that you can translate it in the Bible. But it was just yeah. basically their way of saying like, he didn't identify with them as being the creators of him. Right. From a spiritual perspective. Yeah. Um, you have a strong urge to visit faraway places. So this, um, this for me is, um, is uh, specifically Rome. And we've talked about that on, po- on other podcasts, but. Yeah. That's why you get, you have that like regalness to you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Like where's your, it's like you have a kingdom somewhere. <laughs> I think I did like at one point. Somewhere. I think I did. So um, this is you, hundred percent. You live for deep conversations and connections. Yeah, makes sense. So you have no appetite for small talk. Makes sense. We're doing a podcast right now, right? Right. Yeah, just uh-huh. making sure. <laughs> <laughs> you have memories of past lives. Yeah. Also true. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't feel close. Oh, I didn't realize that this was a separate one. Um, you don't feel closely connected to your parents. I do feel closely connected to my parents. But I do know that there's like a deeper force that moves. Yeah. That brought both them and me into the space. Yeah. You it, know. Here's an example. It says that you maybe feel like the black sheep or the misfit. 
Um, and, um, sometimes you wonder if you have another family out there somewhere. <laughs> oh yeah. They used to joke all the time. His brother used to say like, yeah, we did parents didn't actually have you. They, they, um, treated you for a bag of rice when you were young. <laughs> and the main reason oh, why so I said mean. that is because, you know, kids are kind of assholes, but at the yeah. same time, I didn't really look like my brother or my sister. Right. Like I looked a little bit more Asian. Yeah. So that, that was sort of his justification for that. And I was like, yeah, thanks bro. Oh, thanks. Appreciate you. <laughs> um, you crave solitude regularly. And, yeah, true. and the last one, you have fears that seem very real. So yeah, fears or phobias, sure. you know, anything that, that comes to life. Yeah. So everything I read about this, I was like, man, this totally is totally Eric. That sounds like you too though, Jen. Yeah, it totally. It's yeah, it is me in a lot of ways too. Like yeah. I have pho a phobia about being barefoot. About being barefoot? Yeah. I don't walk really? around without shoes anywhere. You just hop it around? You I just even, Frodo Baggins it? No, I don't even walk around my own house without shoes. Oh no, you're saying that you you don't you're not barefooted. No, I, I am never barefoot. Really? Yeah, never. Mm, like when so I'm in the shower, I'm barefoot. I mean, but I don't walk around my own house without shoes. I don't like to be barefoot ever. I don't like the way anything feels on the bottom of my feet. That's so weird though, I because know, I mean I, at least from my experience, one of the most grounding things that you can be is in nature with your feet on I the grass know. that's what people you don't, say but i fucking hate it you don't like the way that your feet feel on the grass Jen. nope really? or sand or dirt or concrete or nothing carpet nothing who hurt you <laughs> i was just born that way <laughs> i just one of my weird fucking Jen? phobias what happened? i know that's and actually um that's one of the reasons why i wanted to do that um that past life regression to see if i could figure out where that came from oh my gosh and uh yeah so i don't know i'll to be continued, I'll let you know. Yeah. I'll let you know if well, I figure you it know, out. Everybody's different. All shapes yeah. and sizes. Even That's if you don't, you know, particularly feel grounded when you go outside and walk on the grass, there are a lot of other things that make you feel grounded, like playing the gong. Yeah. Doing meditation. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. All those things. All the mm -hmm. things. Yeah, all the things. Okay, so quickly about deja vu. I won't get too deep into this, but um, they say that it's just the the scientific explanation is that your eyes are um, seeing information at two different times. So one of your eyes is seeing it first. And so say your right eye sees it first and before your left does, like even in a split second. And, um, when that happens, it stores it in your memory, in your memory as like a past memory. Really? Um, because your eyes aren't, uh, operating at the same time. Yeah. I never feel like my eyes aren't operating at the same time. Yeah, it's a, it's like a split hair of a second, so you would never even notice, oh, you know, I see. that it that it's happening. So um, it's almost like your brain short circuits in a way. Because totally. what would be the catalyst for that? Yeah, yeah, it's like a short circuit. That's exactly that's the best explanation. It's like a short circuit. Like maybe you're not getting enough oxygen flow to your mm -hmm. brain, and so like one eye's working and the other one's not. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's just working just a tiny bit faster. So it sees it first. And then when your other eye catches up, it thinks that you've already seen it. Like, and it, cause it stores it in your brain in an area, uh, in, in an area of the past, because it technically is in the past. That's true. And science has to come up with some sort of way in order to justify even spiritual things. So this is part of me that thinks like, if you said that to anybody they just be like i don't know i don't know i don't know <laughs> something about that doesn't sound right because it's like you're, you're cognizant of a lot of things we're pretty in, fucking intelligent people mm -hmm. if i saw something once and my body said okay i know what this is and then suddenly my right eye saw it i'd be like i wouldn't see them as two separate things yeah but i mean it makes sense yeah you know yeah. the next time i have deja vu I'll how it's stored you know. in your brain yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. there you go there you have it yeah 
A lot of good information, Jen. Yeah, we got covered some covered some this, ground. A lot on this journey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll keep it going. Everybody, if uh, as far as the reincarnation thing, I mean, when you wake, when you go to sleep tonight, you close your eyes and you wake up in the morning, you're a completely different person. You know, through that five six hours that you guys are sleeping, dreaming about being a completely different person, mm-hmm. when you wake up, don't be afraid. Tomorrow's a new opportunity. Tomorrow's a new opportunity. Your body is sort of like doing this compassionate dance with you. It's like, hey, we're changing. You want to hop on the boat? Yeah. We're going to take you to all the places that you need to go, both good and bad. Best the train's leaving. Do, yeah, the best thing you do is just hold on for the ride. Just like, uh, what is his name? Bill Hicks said, it's all just a ride. That's right. You can get off anytime you want to. And that ride goes left and right, up and down, and in twirls and circles and backflips and all this crazy shit. And the only thing you have to do is just hold on. And whenever you want, you can leave. I like it. You can get off the ride anytime you want. Anyways, stay safe out there. And for all you guys tuning in, definitely, if you're on YouTube, like and subscribe to all the things. Like all of our videos, it's where we share our clips, Jen, right? Yep. Share all the clips there. And if you're on Instagram, definitely look us up. A lot of good info on there. Until next time, friends. Namaste. Namaste, friends.